Good morning, church family. I am glad that you are logging on today and that you want to share in a time of worship with you and your family, even if you can't be at the church building in person. And I am right there with you because I am not going to be there this coming Sunday either. I've been under the weather. I've had a a fever. I've had some aches and body aches. Um, so far, my cough isn't bad at all, but um, I did go get a COVID test yesterday. Today's Friday. This is Friday evening when I'm recording this, but um, it's looking like I'm not going to make it to Winsboro this Sunday because I don't want to share whatever I've got, and especially without knowing what it is. So, uh, But here I am. Um, here at my mom's house, and I still want to share with you a message uh, that I believe we need to hear concerning our King, King Jesus. Uh, this series we're in, Jesus is King. And this week, I want to look at how we honor the King. Honor is not something we talk much about in our society, or it's not a prevalent word in our society, at least anymore. Uh, we don't focus on honor. We aren't an honor-based society like some of the uh, areas of the world. You think about the Far East, China, Japan. You think about even the Middle East. Uh, they are very much honor-based societies, and yet here we are in the West, in America, and honor is not one of our top values that we hold on to. Not anymore. Maybe it was many decades or even a couple of centuries ago, but uh, it is not at the forefront of our value system. But it was in the days of Jesus. I want to look at that and how we should embrace the concept of honor, especially when it comes to honoring our king. I want to look right now at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. This verse just sums up some of the things that Peter's been talking about. He says, Honor all people. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. To give honor to the king, to show honor to the king, it was assumed in their culture. It was something you were expected to do, they expected to do that you had to do. Because not only did you share in this system of honor and how you regarded the king, but with everyone around you. In Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 7, Jesus gives some advice on honor. Then when Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. He said to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, because a person more distinguished than you may have been invited by your host. So the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your place. Then, ashamed, you will begin to move to the least important place. But when you are invited, go and take the least important place, so that when your host approaches, he will say to you, Friend, move up here to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who share the meal with you. Now, just good advice in an honor society. You don't want to appear shamed. You want to be given honor. And, of course, Jesus isn't just making a practical application. His teachings are spiritual. So what he says is, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And that, of course, is our relationship to God. But he goes on and says, He also said to the man who had invited him, When you host a dinner or a banquet, 
don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors so you can be invited by them in return and get repaid. But when you host an elaborate meal, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now what's he talking about with this idea of being repaid? Well, invited back to another meal, yes. But I think that he is embracing the idea of honor as a currency. In the ancient world, that's often how it worked. That you were given privileges, given status, given um, the prestige of those around you based on honor, even more so than just wealth. Um, some people were rich but honorless, hence the tax collectors, whereas they regarded honor as far more important than just the riches themselves. And so to be repaid, I think he's talking about repaid by being shown honor, that you honor those within your social class, they honor you within their social class, and you try to find ways to move up the ladder, to move up the ranks, so to speak. Jesus said, don't do that. Jesus said, you invite, you honor those of little honor, those who don't have anything to offer back. And then because of that, God, your king, will honor you. Honor was its own currency in the days of Jesus. It's, again, how you moved up the social ladder. Today we might, might compare it to fame. Everybody wants to be famous, and not necessarily, people aren't, aren't always famous for the right reasons, unfortunately. Sometimes fame comes with scandal. Just look at your tabloids in the grocery store checkout line. Uh, that the old saying, all publicity is good publicity, that you know, we want fame. We want people to know our name. We want people to follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, so any of the social media. We want our own YouTube channel with uh, thousands of subscribers, millions of subscribers even. We think, well, how can I be a social media influencer? And all of that is just kind of how we rank ourselves and how we rank each other and how we, you know, what we strive after in our society. In the time of Jesus, it was honor. And families passed down their honor to their children. And children were expected to uh, raise the honor of the family to leave it behind for their children. And so honor was something you sought after. Honor was something that you gauged your decisions by. And to be dishonored by your family or to bring dishonor to your family was far worse than going broke, was far worse than bankruptcy. Sometimes they're tied together, but to be honored and to be honorable is right at the very top of the values of the culture that Jesus lived in. And when we think of the ladder of success, as we would call it, or the ladder of honor, at the very top, the one who had the most honor, was naturally the king. The king who, by his lineage, by the honor he had received from his father, and father before him, and the father before him, was to be regarded and respected 
was to be acknowledged as the honorable one who shared his honor that he had with his kingdom and thereby expected his kingdom to honor him, to show him honor, and even foreign kingdoms. If he was a powerful king with influence that crossed borders like Solomon, he was honored by the Queen of Sheba and honored by many other guests and visitors wanting to share in his wisdom and all of those interactions, those gifts that they bestowed on him. They were material. The Bible talks about the gold and the silver, but what's inherent, what's implied, what's understood by the early readers is that this gave Solomon honor, as it should because he was the king of God's people. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1-14. through 14. Here's another parable about honor. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to summon those who had been invited to the banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, the feast I have prepared for you is ready. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they were indifferent and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. The rest seized his slaves, insolently mistreated them, and killed them. The king was furious. He sent his soldiers, and they put those murderers to death and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but the one who has been invited but the ones who have been invited were not worthy. So go into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the wedding guest, he saw a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And they said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? But he had nothing to say. Then the king said to his attendants, Tie him up, hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Again, here's another parable with honor as its base assumption for what's going on. The king is having a wedding feast, a time to invite the most prestigious and important people in the kingdom, those who have high honor in their own families, to come and celebrate with the king and at the wedding of his son. And yet they did not come, thereby dishonoring the king, and the king would not have it, especially whenever they beat and killed the messengers, which is a not-so-vague reference to the prophets, how God had sent prophets to the Israelites, and yet often they killed them, mistreated them. And so what would a king naturally do? Well, go and destroy those who don't give him honor, the honor that he is due, but then he does something interesting. He says, go invite everybody you can find. Good or bad, fill my wedding hall for my son's wedding. And other versions of this parable say that they got the lame, the sick, the poor, those lacking honor. And the king has his wedding feast, but then... When the feast has started, he sees a man not in wedding clothes. And asks him, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man has nothing to say. And it almost seems cruel to us, but he says, throw him out. 
because to not wear the wedding clothes, uh, the clothes to celebrate his son's wedding, was again to show dishonor. It was dishonorable. And it showed a lack of honor for both the king and his son, the groom. The, 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 the person, uh, the, the VIP of this party, so to speak. The one who they're celebrating and the king can't stand. Do you come to my son's wedding? To dishonor him by what you wear? Out you go. And I've heard that used in the how to dress up for Sunday worship services. Uh, let me just say that I think the clothes Jesus is talking about are the pure white garments that we wear in our hearts based on being washed in the blood of Christ. That if we would presume to go before God, not being cleansed by the blood of Christ, not being clothed with Christ himself, which are all images of baptism, if we would presume to come before God without a change of who we are, without being remade into the likeness of Christ himself by the Holy Spirit, if we would presume to just waltz in and say, I'm here, God says, oh, that's dishonorable. That's not how you honor the king. Not how you honor Jesus, the king. The son, the groom, who's getting married to his bride, the church. I don't think it's about what we physically wear. I think more it's how we approach the celebration of our wedding. That we come ready, clothed, made pure, washed clean by his blood. Well, if Jesus is the king which I hope we believe, if Jesus is the one at the top of the echelon of honor, if he is at the highest place of honor, how do we honor him? He is worthy of honor. And our job as citizens in his kingdom, as guests at the banquet, how do we honor our king? And I will say that there are two ways to honor that Honor can be both transitive and intransitive. And if you're anything like me, you think back, you hear that word, and what is he talking about? Transitive, intransitive. Uh, they're actually words from grammar, from English class, a long time ago. And before I lose you, hold on, before I lose you, it has to do whether something is directly acted upon where the action is indirect or inherent or implied. And so the transitive, the direct action, a direct way to honor would be to display honor, to show honor. Um, right now I'm sitting in my mom's house, and she has uh, opened up her home to my family and uh, the time that we are looking for a house. And good news um, we have been, our offer has been accepted on a house. We are under contract. So that's excellent news. Uh, and it's a place just north of town, just right outside the city limits. And hopefully everything goes through and I'll be able to invite you out and you can, uh, I can host you in our home. Elise and I can host you. Uh, we would love that. Uh, but for right now, waiting on everything to close, and then for the people living there to obviously move out. Um, still here at my mom's. 
And my mom is, you know, going from a household of one to a household of nine, adding eight people is not easy. So, and the fact that she's just my mom, I hope that I honor her. I should honor her. Now, think about me and my mom, we tend to argue. Um, she likes to be a witch doctor. That's what me and my brother call her. So, because I've come down sick here at my mom's house, the punishment is not uh, just being sick. The punishment for getting sick here is she will uh, be a drug pusher. And uh, <laughs> drugs meaning vitamins, vitamins out the wazoo. Uh, goodness. And uh, I appreciate it. And she's trying to keep me healthy. And I try to listen. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, mom. And then we all have those moments where we go, oh, mom. But the thing is, even in those moments, our mothers are worthy of honor, to be shown honor. And so to be given gifts, to be spoken to with respect, uh, to be loved, to be cherished, uh, to be celebrated, all those things, you know, to buy her some flowers or to say thank you, Mom, get her a card, all those ways would honor her and be a way that I could directly show honor to her. That's transitive honor. And we honor God whenever we worship. We honor Jesus, our King, whenever we come together. Whenever we worship Him in song and prayer and look into the words of Scripture and His words that He spoke, uh, and we study them and we celebrate His resurrection and we take to the Lord's Supper just as He asked us to, those are direct ways that we honor Him, that we show Him honor by being in the very place together to show him honor around his throne. But there's also intransitive honor. And that's indirect honor. You see, I can honor my mom. And I'm grateful I still can. Because I can't show my dad transitive honor. Oh, I can take some flowers to his tombstone. But that's about the most direct way I could show him honor. And even then, that's more for me than for him. To show my dad honor. He's out of reach, so to speak. He's passed on from this world. He is no longer here to be talked to, to be given a gift. So the honor I show him, well, it's the intransitive kind. It's the honor I show by reflecting his values, by reflecting his morals, his ethics, by the way I treat others. I hope I'm honoring my father. I hope that, you know, if he were to look down and see me and how I'm raising my children, loving my wife, uh, serving the church, taking care of my responsibilities, working hard. My father had a strong work ethic. Um, <clears throat> supporting my family. Doing good. Being kind. Having a smile. My father, one of my father's nicknames was Smiley. Um having a good disposition, all those ways I am showing him honor, but not directly. I am actually showing other people that honor that I got from him, that I share in with him. So too we honor Jesus, who while we gather together and we're told that we're two more gathered, there he is also. So we believe when we come together to worship, he is there to be shown direct honor, transitive honor, we also know that every single day of our life, every interaction we have with everyone we meet, everyone around us, family, friends, strangers, co-workers, you name it, 
we have the opportunity to honor our king. To speak well of our king, but also to act well representing our king. Being faithful citizens of his kingdom, that shows our king honor. And so we need both kinds of honor. You need the direct kind and you also need the indirect kind, the transitive and the intransitive. Because the king looks for both. He doesn't just want lip service. Jesus said that specifically. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. No. Honor him with our lips, but also honor him with our lives. As we close, I wanted to share a story I heard a preacher tell. It's been a while, I think. I can't remember what preacher it was, but um, he was saying that he was having Bible study. And a person wanted to get baptized and get confession time. We talked about confession the past couple of weeks. Uh, confession, who do you believe Jesus is? That's the way I do it. But this person asked a question, uh, do you believe Jesus is your Savior? And uh, you know, are you willing to have a relationship with him? That's kind of the direction that it was going. And the person getting baptized, or the person wanting to be baptized, he was a military person. He was in the army. I don't know what branch, so maybe not army, but one of the branches of military service. And his response was, I don't get it. I don't understand what you mean by relationship. That's a buzzword and has been a long time, for many decades, you know, for Christians and following Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus and Please don't think I'm undermining that, but I do want to say, whereas Jesus should be our friend, he tells us he is, where Jesus should be our brother, we also have to understand a part of our relationship with Jesus is based on the fact that he is king. And so this military person said, I, I, I don't even know what you're asking me when you say I have a relationship with him. But when you say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the one in charge, he said, that I understand. I can do that. I have commanding officers that I subjugate my will to them. Whereas I take it and I do it and I don't worry, worry about what I, what I want falls to the wayside. So if you're asking me to have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not even sure what you're asking, but you're asking me to follow him, to make him my Lord, to make him my king. He said, that I can do. And I will say that where I hope we have an intimate relationship with Jesus, that we build one over the course of our life, that he becomes more of a friend, more of a brother. He always has to be king. And so, especially when it comes to our collective relationship with Jesus, you know, as his kingdom, as his church, our collective relationship with Jesus is based on honor. It's kind of the currency of our relationship. That we show our king honor. And our king shows us honor. Lifting us up into his honorable life. That we put off what is dishonorable. And honoring him, we embrace who he is. What he's about. And of course, what was Jesus about? It's service. Caring for others, even the dishonorable. 
Let's look one more time at 2 Peter. Chapter 2, verse 17, the last line was honor the king. And there he's talking most likely about the earthly kings under which they live, that uh, while, of course, God and Jesus get the most honor, don't forget to honor your earthly kings. It's part of living in this world, whether it be Donald Trump, Barack Obama, you name it, or any of those that have gone before, whoever it is around the corner coming up next. <sighs> That's a scary thought, too. But whoever they are, they are. We should show them honor. We should honor the king, honor those in places of leadership and authority to try to make their jobs easier, not harder. But trace back the lines of that verse. Honor the king, fear God, love the family of believers, honor all people. All people. Not just those who the society tells us is at the top, like the king. But like Jesus said, the poor, the lame, the sick, the outcast. Those the rest of the world looks at and says they are not worthy of honor. Jesus says, oh yes, they are. If our king was willing to show them honor, if our king was willing to honor tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. And that was a broad term of those that lived against the laws of God as they were understood. Jesus still honored them. And that if we make Jesus our king, that becomes our job. Not to just honor those we agree with. To specifically honor those that we don't to honor those that our culture would have us look down on. Now we lift them up, because Jesus lifted us up. He gave us honor we did not deserve, because of his love for us. And that's where we're going to go next week, to love the king. But this week, honor the king. Jesus is our king. And our job, our collective job, our individual job, day in, day out, the life we live should reflect honor to who he is.